0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Today we are wrapping up our series, like Pastor Cody said. uh, We kicked it off the first uh, Sunday in August, which we celebrate our church anniversary every first Sunday of August. We just celebrated 37 years of being a tree of life to a lost and hurting world, which is amazing, it really is. It really is. I know I don't feel any older than 37, but yet I've been here for all those and then some. And so I just want you guys to know that God has our best days ahead of us. And so we're moving forward with the vision and purpose of Tree of Life to be a Tree of Life to a lost and hurting world. So we've taken the month to really dig into what does that mean as a church? My hope has been it will inspire us and rally us as those that would call this home. And those that are looking will hear the heart. Uh, this ministry, which it always has been, I believe, for 37 years, is that way today and on into our future. And so we're looking at the foundational scripture. Where did we get? Where did you get I have people all the time ask me, where in the world did you get 37 years ago? Think about it, 37. Where'd you get the name Tree of Life? That's weird, kind of 37 years ago. It's kind of a little weird maybe today. But here's a powerful scripture where it comes from, Proverbs 1130. You can turn there. And it says this the fruit of the righteous. So the righteous are those who know Jesus. We don't have a righteousness in and of ourselves because we could not be good enough to have a right standing with God. So it comes from the work that Jesus did. Our righteousness is through Christ. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? But our life, therefore, has the ability and opportunity to produce fruit that reflects that. Now, we're all producing fruit, some good, some bad, but we're always producing fruit. So our fruit should be a tree of life or should be something that is welcoming and inviting to people, and he who wins souls is wise. Or in other words, our life should reflect the life, love, and power of Jesus so others want what we have. So that's kind of where the series came from. The first week we took about living in the tree of life, are living out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so you can go back. I don't want to review that for time's sake, but go back and listen. If you haven't had a chance, if you've missed one, grab it by watching it online or go back and listen to all of them again. I want to jump in today kind of where we left off. I want to continue to stress the importance. The last two weeks and then this week, we've taken the last part of that scripture, he who wins souls is wise. A core value, something very close to our heart. It's who we've been, who we will always be, but it's also the heart of God. God is concerned about lost people. Okay, thank you for the three, four, five of you. I think those. Are, I think I think it caught you by surprise for a second right there. God's concerned about lost people. Let me say it this way: God's consumed with lost people. Now, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, come on, what are you talking about? He loves everybody. Yes, he does. But he's consumed with those of his kids that are lost and not found yet. I mean, guys, I've ever lost anything? You're consumed with it, right? Maybe you've lost your keys. my keys? I don't know where I place them. I don't know what I've done with them. My keys, you haven't found my keys. I don't know. You're consumed with that. Okay, maybe not with your keys. What about your phone? Mm -hmm. I'm on a hit home right there. My phone, I've been, I've been all the way almost to church and dr- turned around and went all the way back home to get my phone, right? All the way out, out of the way. We drive out of the way to go get our phone. We're consumed by that. God's consumed with things that are lost. And if you've ever really lost something of value to you, you understand that. It's hard to describe that feeling maybe uh, without a show of hands. I mean, some of us, you remember the moment that you've lost your children. You didn't know where they were. You were unclear. What happened to them? And I remember a story, and if you've been here for a while, we've told this story before. But my wife and kids uh, were with, this is years ago, my wife and kids were with my sister and her family at Schlitterbahn. I was at the office because I didn't want to go bake in the sun all day. (laughs) But I was at the office, and then I get this frantic call from my wife, and she's in tears, and she's hysterical. I'm like, honey, calm down. I can't understand what you're trying to say. And she's like, "I, I can't find Callie. I'm like, what do you mean you can't find Callie? And she's like, I don't know where she is. I don't know what happened to her. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, one moment she was walking towards the wave pool. The next moment she's gone and I can't find her and I don't know and, and she's panicking because she could be under a bunch of tubes that no one's seen her because there's a massive humanity there. Someone could have snatched her and walked off with her. I, I cannot find her and she's talked to the lifeguards and the lifeguards are searching and they have protocols that they put in place. And then, she's, and then, and then 45 minutes later, Callie shows up at, with my sister So there was a little forgiving of my sister I had to do for a while there. but, And then Callie didn't see Schlitterbahn for a long, long time after that. (laughs) Unless she's been back. But but that moment of just panic, that moment, you're consumed with that. It's like if you've ever lost a child, you just don't know what to do and all these crazy things are floating around. And so it was like uh, this, this idea of that I never want to feel that feeling again, and we've had other kind of moments like that, but but I was just consumed with that, and let me, let, me, let me say it this way, I never at any point in time thought, okay, calm down for a second, we have two, so we had a backup, how smart were me, we still have one, we, okay, I really only wanted one child, but I'm glad I had two, because now if I lost one, we're, we're okay, we're good, right, it's like, when you lose your keys, you're not just thinking, well, it's okay, at least I have a couch, right, it's like, I just... You're consumed with what you've lost and it's not that God doesn't love. I love my other child and if Camry was to come up at that moment in time when Callie was lost and say, hey, I'm really hungry. What are you gonna do for dinner? I wouldn't really be concerned with her need right then. In a sense, I'd be more consumed with what was lost. And so it's it's something I, I believe that we need to understand that a value of God is finding that which is lost. And in fact, you can look in the scripture in Luke, Luke 15, chapter 15, one chapter, there's three stories that Jesus gives that he's consumed with lost things. One is he left the 99. He left the 99 to go find the one. Another is like they've lost one coin, so they they didn't just all of a sudden say, oh, we got nine other coins. It's okay. At least we got 90% of what we had. They, They searched till they found the one, and then the son came home. They weren't content with just the one son that was at home that they were consumed with the one that was lost. God wants his lost kids to come home. And we're partnering with him. That's part of our role. That's why we have a relationship with him. That's why we do church, why we do what we do. And having that relationship means that we help him do what he's doing. And so um, it's a big value to God. It's a big value to us. So um, the the, the topic, however, and you kind of know where I'm going if you've been here. We're going to talk about our responsibility of, you know, helping find the lost people. And so that can be a little uncomfortable. We talked about the last couple of weeks, but but let me just say, it's not as complicated as we think. It's not as intimidating. And, and I think we have the wrong perspective on how that works. We've been taught that way. And then I've shared some stories about, I get, I get nervous, I, you know, people come and ask me Bible questions or whatever. And, and, you know, I get tongue-tied. And can I just say, by the way, I know it was Noah that built the ark, not Moses. But, but thank you for everybody that thought I got it all mixed up and all that last week. Like, I know that, but anyways. So, um, but we, we, we get intimidated because people want to, you know, well, they're going to ask me Bible questions. I'm not going to have the answer, and so we avoid those moments. Can I tell you, it's not really what we think. And let's take a look at the scripture. Matthew. Uh, take a look at Matthew here, four, uh, Matthew 4. I was going to say 14, 4, 18, and 19. Jesus walking by the sea, beginning his earthly ministry, saw two brothers. He's getting his team together, gathering his team together, and they were casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. Verse 19 says, Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you. Jesus has something he wants to turn his followers into. And yes, it would be some, someone that, that is a, a more spiritual, if you want to say it that way. Someone that reads the Bible. Somebody that prayers, prays. Somebody that gives. Somebody that serves. He wants to make me a better husband. He wants to make me a better father. Absolutely. But you know more than anything else, he wants to make you a fisher of men. Jesus sets the agenda right now. Right now, he's gathering his earthly team to be on mission, and he sets the agenda. I will make you, if you follow me, you fish. Now, what about all those other things? We want to be this. We want to be engaged more. We want to serve more. We want to give more. We want to be good husbands and moms and dads and all that kind of stuff. That comes from living in the tree of life, and we need to do that because it helps us then fish. He says, I'll make you Followers, I'll make by followers, fishers of men. Here's what I want to say. Followers fish. It's who we are. It's what we're to do and to be about. So we talked in in the two weeks ago, the theological side. I gave you a lot of scripture. I always try and give you scripture. I want you to take his word, not my word for it. We talked about the the scriptures talking about the importance of doing that. Uh, Last week, we talked about the behavioral side. Act wisely. He who wins souls is wise. What does that look like? Because our actions need to line up with our words, our words with our actions, and Kind of that's a deterrent at times. And then today we're going to talk about, well, what do we say? Which is really the hardest part. Well, I just don't even know what to say. I don't want to get into some theological debate that I don't feel equipped to manage or handle. I don't either. And I get really nervous from all that. But listen, I want to show you what what it, what it takes. It's not really what you think. And it's really actually a lot easier. First Peter 2, 9 through 10, message paraphrase. But you, all those that know Jesus as Savior and Lord, you are chosen by God, you are God's people. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work, there is no greater calling than doing the work of the ministry, the ministry is helping people, serving people, there's no greater calling, you're chosen for the high calling of doing, serving and and helping people, chosen to be a holy people, doing your best to live life right, not perfect. God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him. What is his work? What work are you talking about? How am I gonna speak out for him? Right here it tells you to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. What is your ministry? I don't know. So that's you, pastor. We pay you to do all that. No, 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 no. That's everyone that calls on the name of the Lord. Your ministry is to tell other people about the night and day difference that God made in your life. What do you mean? I don't have to have. No, you don't have to have this big three point sermon where Romans Road. I got to walk them down the Romans Road. I got to use the Evangel Cube. Remember that? All that. You know, I got to. Do, I don't know how to do all that. You don't have to tell other people about the night and day difference God made in your life. I don't have to explain all about the Bible. No, you don't. No. What about the four horsemen of the apocalypse? No, you don't. Ha- you know what? You know how you handle that? Someone asked you about that? Just got a text message. Did you hear that? Okay. Siri, tell me about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. All right, now you're going to shut down on me. Let me try it again. Siri, tell me about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. tell me about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I'm in front of all these people. (laughs) All right, so anyway, so if you go online, I'm going to lose my phone. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw it across the room. Maybe it was too hard. Siri, how did Noah get all those animals in the ark? (laughs) All right, that's a really bomb example right now. First service, she told us. But anyways, okay. But you don't have to explain the whole. How do you recover from that? I don't know. Just keep going. All right. So, all right. Can't live with it. Can't live without it. All right. So, you know, you don't have to be able to explain all that stuff. You just got to tell people the night and day difference God made in your life, and He has. And if we've come to Christ, then He has made a difference in our lives. So last week we ended with this point where we're gonna pick up today and we talked about a couple things. We need to be aware of our moments, our manners, or the way we act in our message. So let's pick that up, our message. Number one, share the hope that we have. Share the hope that you have. It's not about all these other things and all these other questions and all these other Bible stories people wanna know. I had people ask me stuff, well, why did God kill all the people off except for one family in the flood? And, And I'm like, I don't know about all that, but here's what I know. I once didn't have hope and now I do. And what about all the 10 plagues in the Pharaoh? That kind of seems a little unfair, doesn't it? I don't know about all that, but now I was, I was hopeless in, in darkness and now it's all changed. I, I made a decision to follow Christ and I want to tell you about that decision. Let me tell you the reason why I follow Jesus. Everybody in this room that follows Jesus could give the reason why to somebody else. 1 Peter three fifteen through 16 says this, but in your hearts revere Christ. Love him, just love him, love Christ with all your heart as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer. The word answer in the Greek really it means defense to everyone who asks you to give the reason. The reason for what? The hope that you have. Just give them the reason for your hope, which is Jesus, but do this in this way. Do this with gentleness and respect. And here's, this is a big deal here because don't think that you have to convince somebody. You have to argue somebody into salvation. It never works that way. You know what I mean? And the whole turn or burn kind of thing, right? We've all been there. We've been on the other end of turn or burn, get right or get left, right? Or turn or turn to Jesus or burn forever. Fire and brimstone, the fire and brimstone preacher. Can I tell you, I I had to look up what brimstone even meant. I asked Siri and when she was talking to me, it must've upset her. It means sulfur, right? Because fire and brimstone sounds better than fire and sulfur. But anyway, so all this stuff, my point is just share the hope that you have. The hope that Jesus gave you. You know what the world's looking for? Hope. They don't need to hold, understand the whole Bible. They don't need to know all that right now. Don't worry about winning an argument. Worry about winning their hearts. Win their respect, gentleness, and kindness. Win their love, and you can win their heart. We're not trying to win an argument. You know, you can win an argument and them harden their heart. How many arguments have you won and it didn't do you really any good? It wasn't about being right. And so we want to win their hearts. And so you don't, you don't have to have all the answers for all these things. The Bible says the goodness of God leads people to repentance. And can I tell you, it's the meanness, arrogance, and judgmentalness of God's people that runs them away, pushes them away. And so I, I don't know if there's anything better than experiencing or having a role in somebody coming to Jesus. I don't know if there's any greater feeling. I was talking in the gathering place between services about someone who this last week had the opportunity and I said, there's just no greater feeling. Once you do it, you can't get enough of it. It's just amazing. It's second only to your experience with Christ. And can I tell you, at the end of every service, all, whenever it is, altar call is my favorite time. I'm like, I'm like looking at the clock and thinking, how, how quickly can I get to the altar call? because I want to see changed lives and people's hands go up and I get to see the benefit of seeing the hands on their faces. So let me tell you how to, how to help people find Jesus. You got to share your story. So let me give you three elements of sharing your story. Three elements of sharing your story. Number one, this, you need to just tell them, how, how, you, how did you realize you needed Christ? How, just tell them how I realized I needed Christ. Let me tell you the condition I was in before. And can I tell you, I know some of your stories that some of you were in a pretty bad condition. But even at those that weren't, you were still in a condition of an emptiness. You were trying to fill it with so many other things and nothing will fill the void that only God could fill. You could be the chief of sinners or you could be the good person. You could be in church your whole life and not have a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to tell you my, my story real quick. I shared this before. I was just a kid, elementary kid. I don't know, eight or nine, maybe 10 years old. And in the Baptist church, my dad used to drop the family off on Sunday morning. He'd go somewhere else and mom would never tell us where. And he'd come pick us up when church was over. And I remember giving my life to Jesus in the Baptist church, but it wasn't because I wanted to serve Jesus. It was because I didn't want to go to hell. Come <laughs> on. Come on. It's like, I, didn't talk, I don't know about this Jesus thing, but I'm scared to go to that place. How do I get out of there and not be there? It was later in life as a teenager that, that a man was influential in the, in the church that then all of a sudden my dad got rededicated to God. We were going to church again and there was a man there and then just his life and how he engaged with my family. It just, I wanted to love Jesus like he loved Jesus. I, I, it wasn't about not going to hell anymore. It was his life was, I wanted to have the hope that he had. I, I wanted to love Jesus as he loved Jesus and that was the witness to me, just seeing what he did, how he lived his life and how he treated us and people. I wanted to be like that. Listen, it's important to understand that point because Matthew seven twenty one says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What he's saying is, you can live your whole life doing the right things, but not have a relationship with Jesus. And I dare say churches are full of people that are living a life just out of some kind of religious obligation, if you will, or the do's and don'ts of Christianity and have missed or forgotten the relationship with Jesus. And so you can be a church goer your whole life and try to live a certain way, but if you get to the throne one day or before the throne, and if you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus, the Bible says that's what you need. And so it's important for us to help people find that, discover that by the way we live our life, and we need to share the story of how that came about with us. then, Then how you committed your life to Christ. You don't have to take them down the Romans road. Let me tell you this. They don't need to be in a church service to give their life to Jesus, although we try and make it as easy as we can. I know people, tons of people that got saved in their car, got saved in, at, at home uh, by themselves or wherever they may be that just gave the heart to Jesus. They're just as saved as those who came up to an altar at some point in time. You don't need worship music playing in the background. We don't need some kind of emotional plea. You don't need an altar call. You don't need to stand up and come up front and go to a back room so you can fill out a slip of paper. You don't need all that. You just need to cry out to Jesus. You just tell him how, what, what came to me, where I knew I needed, I realized I needed Jesus and then how I gave my life to him. That's all it takes. You just need to ask God to save you and take away your sin. Let Him know you'll follow Him with all your heart. Just give Him your best. That's what I did. Can I tell you, I pray the same prayer every Sunday on purpose, and that's so if you ever find yourself in a moment and you get scared, I won't know what to pray. Hopefully that'll come up. But can I tell you, God looks at the heart and just a plea and cry out to God, a genuineness, He'll save you? How come man makes it so complicated to come to Jesus? I mean, God, doesn't God say he loves the whole world? He sent Jesus for everybody, not those that just say the right word or in the right moment. He's just looking for their heart. God desires that none should perish, none should perish. Why does man make the system to get there so complicated? So we get intimidated because of a process or some kind of complication that man's created, which was never the intent of God, just someone crying out and just, I need you, God. I don't want to live this life of sin anymore. Come into my life. So we need to understand that. And so when we take that idea there, it really is a lot simpler than what we think. And then the best part of your story is this. Share the difference it's made in your life. Share the difference it's made in your life. I'm not perfect. I still mess up. I have good days and bad days. But what I do have, the difference now is I have hope. Now even in my worst day, I have hope instead of hopelessness. God never said he'd make my life perfect. In fact, God promised there'd be storms. But now in the midst of the storm, I have hope that I'll get to the other side. Because no matter how bad it may get here on the earth, my hope is one day that I'll be in heaven one day. One glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away, amen? No more sorrow, no more pride, no more sadness, no more sickness. I'm hoping. And let me say this, to all those who are Christ followers, this earth is as close to hell as you'll ever get. For all those who do not know Jesus, this earth is as close to heaven as you'll ever get. So we have a difference, a choice. We have a a choice to make. And our our hope is in Jesus and our hope is in heaven. It's the difference. I have a hope I did not have before. And when you talk to people and share Christ, don't worry about talking about the Bible so much. Ask them if they need hope. There's only one place hope comes from. The whole world is asking, how do I get the hope? And so we shared this uh, last week. Point number two, share my church. Let me expound on that a little bit more. It's not as difficult as you think. Share my church. You can share your church. You can share your church, I want you to know that because we have designed our church around people who are far from God. We've designed our services around people who are far from God, and let me tell you, there's a little tension point there because people that, who are walking with God, sometimes they don't like it, but can I tell you, you're already found. All throughout the New Testament, you see scripture Well, in three gospels a recount of the same thing that Jesus said, but I said this last week that, that we don't build hospitals for well people. We staff them with well people, and we train well people how to help the sick people that come in. But listen, I understand that what about us that are already walking with the Lord? Man, praise the Lord, you're going to heaven one day, and we have growth track for you, and we have small groups for you, and we have serving opportunities for you, we have outreach for you, we have ways for you to grow and develop, we have right now media, and then you can learn to feed yourself some, but listen, on Sunday mornings, it may be the only time we have a shot at a lost person. And we want to create an environment where they don't feel talked down to or feel like second-class citizens or they don't feel unwelcome or we're talking over their heads. We've crafted a a service in a way that hopefully can connect with both people that are far from God and people that are walking with Him. And I believe that to be the case. Every time you walk in these doors, wherever you are in your relationship with Jesus. Why? Because we're here to reach the lost. At no point in time do you ever ever see anybody say, "In that hospital right there? They're just helping way too many people. They're just... They're just making too many people well. They're just really, they need, hey, take take a break there. You never see that. In fact, as long as there's one lost person on the planet, then we are on mission. Now, I hope this church is a blessing to you, but we work very hard, and we provide student ministries and and kid ministries for all that, but we want to design services around on Sunday mornings about those that are far from God. And so, we have a lot to say to you, but we also have a lot to say to them, and we want to make sure that we are on mission. Followers, fish. Fish. And I know there's a tension point with all that, and I get that, but, but let's be on mission here. The church, um, the church needs to be getting bigger because the need is big. This church is big enough, but the need is still out there. So the church needs to get big because the need is big. Look at what Jesus said, Luke 14, 23. Here's what he said, Living Bible. He says this, Well, well then, said his master, go out into the country lanes and out behind the hedges and urge anyone, anyone you find to come, Why? So that the house will be full. Whose house? God's house in the context of the parable. And let me say it this way. Every house, every church needs to be full of people far from God. And we are to go out there and invite them in. We pray for the lost to come. We just wrapped up 21 days of prayer. You know what part of our emphasis was in there? The lost. 21 days of just seeking God's face and asking for him to bring the lost. In fact, yesterday we had an amazing time just with the eyes of faith, seeing this place full of people that are far from God. That's our picture of faith, and we're believing that to happen. We're just out there, and we're, we believe in the mission, and we want lost people to be found. and In January, we do 21 days, but 21 days in January is more about us getting ready for the new year and making sure we're not carrying things from the previous year, and we're getting set, and we're making commitments, and we're giving God the first part of the year to bless the rest of the year. But in the fall, come on, in August, rather, we're getting ready for the fall harvest. Every week in staff meeting, we pray for the lost. I would want to encourage you every. Day, if, you, if not every week, then have a list of people who are far from God that you're praying for. I don't know your friends and stuff. Are you praying for them to come to church? Or are you interceding for them for them to find Jesus? you're you're you praying? And guess what it, what's going to happen? Pastor Josh taught a message a while back that says, "When you pray for them to come to the Lord, guess what God'll do? He'll use you. You will be the answer to that prayer. So pray. So we pray for them. We pray for the lost, and then we show them we care. Show them we care. See, we work for some way, any way to help solve the problems of their life. That's why we have a family life center to help people in need. That's why we have benevolence. That's why we have outreach and we go help others. That's why every single one of us need to sign up for Serve Day. So we can show this community and surrounding communities that we care. So we can show those far from God that we care. You know what? There's people out there that care for you. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus, so we now all go online and get signed up for September 8th. Why is that important? Because we need to show them we care. We need to help fish. You need to help us fish. People don't care how much you know. You know the rest. They want to know how much you care. So really people are asking, can you help me? Can you help me? People want to know, can you help me with my finances? Financial Peace University. Can you help me with my marriage? Marriage for life. Can you help me with my kids? Tree kids. And can I tell you this? If you help people with their kids, they will love you forever. <laughs> they're teenagers. Man, you're right next to them. they in heaven next to Jesus right there if you help them. So guess what? That's why the church is here. That's why we're here here to help people do that. People will open their heart up. And you don't even have to explain what God did here and there in the Bible. They'll just open their heart up. And they also, they just, they want to know that you care. And people are looking for someone to trust. Do you really believe that? Do you really walk that out? Do you really do that? If you can earn their trust, you can earn their heart. See, God's watching and people are watching. People will go on a journey with you if they can trust you. So God's looking. Sometimes they open up their heart overnight. Sometimes it's a process, but it's worth it. It is worth it. Uh, Let me give you this one. Invite them about, uh, share your church. Invite them to join me at a service. This is so simple, but listen, we need to do this. I don't want anybody to miss it. Invite them to join you at the church. Keyword: join you. Hey, just want you to know, we got services at 9-11. You should come by sometime. Eighty-something percent of people come to church for the first time because of personal invitation. To me, personal invitation is like, hey, we got two services at 9-11. Which one would you want to attend? Because I'll make, I'll be there. I'll be at that one. I'll be at that one. Whichever one works in your schedule, I'll be there. And you know what? I'll meet you out there in the lobby. I'll meet you in the lobby, go through these glass doors, follow the signs of parking. Parking guys will be out there, tell you where to go. Greeters will greet you when you come in, and then I'll be looking for you. I'll find you. I'll already have some seats saved. We'll get the kids some cereal. We'll get some coffee. We'll get in. We'll visit for a second, then we'll come on in for a message. Join me, not just go to my church. Join me. Every single one of us should have a couple Sundays out of the year that we have someone far from God sitting next to us. And I know, I know this is kind of hard. I don't mean it hard, but I mean that's our mission, followers fish. But listen, I know we love, ladies, I know you love the purse chair. I mean, I know it gets crowded sometimes. Can I tell you, I want room to worship. Don't crowd me. I don't want to bump elbows while I'm worshiping. I get that. I get that. But listen, at some point in time throughout the year, we should have Sundays and we have a far from God person sitting, sitting next to us, sitting with us. Share your church. And I will promise you this, if they give their heart to Jesus, it'll be the best service you ever attended. And it won't have anything to do with the sermon that was preached. It won't have anything to do with the set list. They did all your favorite songs today. It won't have anything to do with that. It'll be solely because that person that was far from God and their eternity was heading in one direction has now turned and going the other way to heaven. And that'll be the best service that you'll have ever, ever have been in. It's amazing. And my last point, share Christ. Share Christ christ now here's what here's what i want us to understand something when this one we live in a different world today than years and years ago in fact the challenge is we live in a what we call what they call a post-christian america it is literally the first time in our history where they say more than 80 percent of people who don't go to church are never going to go to church that's a pretty staggering statistic now that's unless the church does what jesus said and fishes. So they say they will never be reached unless we reach them one-on-one. We connect them in their world. We meet them where we're at. We go where they're at, right? We go fish where the fish are. That's what we do. And that's why we all need to know how to share Christ, point number three. Now, Texas is a little different, amen? Texas is a little different. People probably still go to church just to go to church or will go to church if you invite them. And can I just say this? God bless Texas, right? All right, amen, right. I had the bigger, bigger cheer on. God bless Texas. But anyways, okay, biggest amen. Okay, but we're we, we're blessed now. There's a lot of states, and some people come from states. But man, this is man. They've already been there. We're just now starting to experience what some of the other countries experiencing. But listen, we all need to be on mission. We are blessed to live in this great state, and it has a very can, uh, values associated with God. Still, a lot of it does, and things are changing all the time. But listen, we need to be equipped to share Christ, and it's really easier than you think. And things are changing. There are two things everybody needs to know about Christ. Two parts of the story we want to share. Number one is he loves you. God loves you. We sang that song. God's great love. We all need to know that he loves us. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him, none should perish but have life everlasting or life eternal. God loves us so much. Know this, he paid your debt. But what about Noah and all those animals? I don't know how that happened. What about, what about the plagues and Pharaoh? I, I don't know about all that. But can I just tell you, God loves you. I, I don't know. I don't know about this. No, I don't know about Job and all that. I don't know about whatever. I, all, that, I, all I know is he loves you. That's all I know. Every person is on a journey. Every person is on a spiritual journey where the spirit part of them is trying to reconnect with the spirit of God. It's true. Every single one. God created man with a spirit to be connected to his spirit. And so whether people would realize it, understand it, know it or not, every person, it's like a homing beacon to connect with its creator. Creation is on a journey to connect with its creator. Every person, all they need to know is God's looking, God loves them. And he has an incredible plan. The other thing we need to know is this, and the two parts of the story, is the reason your life is messed up right now is because there is a real devil. There's a real enemy here. And he has a mission too. Here it is in John 10, 10. Just as a reminder, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He is messing with your life, and it will not get any better until you invite Jesus in because he came to give you life and have life to the full, or life as he intends. That doesn't mean it's gonna be perfect. But it means it can have fulfillment. And it's the only way we can have a fulfilled life. Three parts of your salvation story, everybody's salvation, three parts here. Let me give it to you, everybody has the problem. We're calling it the problem. What is the problem? There's something in, way, in the way between man and God. There's something in the middle separating us between God's incredible plan and love and us. And the obstacle's called sin. It's a simple story, sin. Sin separates. There's a chasm between God and man that you can't bridge the gap because of sin. And we have all sinned, the Bible says. All of us haven't fallen short. Sin cannot be in the presence of God. So we have to deal with the sin issue. So the question is then, how do we deal with the sin issue? Well, sin requires payment. Well, how do you pay for sin? The requirement for payment of sin is death. The problem is, if we pay for our sin, then we're separated from God. Now let me say this, God doesn't send people to hell that he's mad at, God doesn't send anybody to hell. People go to hell when they insist on paying for their own sin. So God sent his son to pay for our sin so we could be with him, think about that for a moment. And why could Jesus be the payment for sin? Jesus paid our debt for sin. How could Jesus pay our debt for sin? Because he's the only one that did not owe for sin. He's the only one that did not have a bill to pay. Because the Bible says he is the one who committed no sin. Therefore, he's the only one eligible, the only one able to pay for your sin and my sin because he did not have a debt. Let's look at Romans 6, 23. Here's what it says. For the wages of sin is death. There's the price to pay. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus paid for it. He is the gift of God to pay for your and my sin, that thing that separates us. So that means Jesus is the solution. The problem is sin creates a chasm between God and man, so Jesus is the solution. Romans 5, 8 says this. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that we were still sinners. Christ died For us, the only reason we can have a relationship is because Jesus paid our bill, and he was the only one that did not have a bill to pay. No other religion offers a solution to the only problem, and Jesus is the only one that said he'd pay the bill. John 14, 6 says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me no one except through jesus because he's the only one who didn't have to pay his own bill he was perfect therefore he could be the sacrifice acts four twelve says this salvation is found in no one else there is no other way for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved there is no other way god has a plan for your life the problem is sin is in the way how do we take care of sin? You got to pay for it. How do you pay for it? You have to die. But I don't want to die. That's okay. That's why Jesus stepped in to die for you. That's the good news of the gospel. So what's the next step? John 1:12, New Living Translation says this. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You need to believe him and him and accept him. Well, what does that believing and accepting look like? Romans 10, 9 says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And speak it out. Speak it out. It's that simple. Revelation 3, 20 says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him in he with me. So what's our response? The response, open the door. Open the door. For every single one of us, we know exactly what that phrase means. We know that scripture, I stand at the door and knock. Every single one of us, in fact, some of you in here today that don't know Jesus, someone's knocking on your door and he's the one that paid your bill. And some of you have had him knocking for a long time and you can't shake it and you won't because he'll never leave you alone because he wants you in heaven. And we know we know that feeling because we were there once and we all have a story and, and I dare say when we share a story with someone else, the whole time you're sharing your story, guess what's happening? I would ask Siri, but you know, she's mad at me right now not talking. <laughs> the whole time you're sharing your story with someone, just how you knew, you realized you needed Christ and how did you come to him and how you committed your life to him and what the difference he's made. The whole time you're just sharing your story, how your, 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 your life was changed. It went from night and day change with gentleness and respect, the whole time, the whole time, God's knocking on the door of their heart. But what, a, what I mean, what, how, do I, how do I, the whole time, you're just sharing your story, God's knocking on the door of the listen, you don't have to say the right scripture for them to get saved, But if I don't say the right thing, what if I don't pray the prayer the right way, the Holy Spirit's knocking on their heart the whole time. You finally just get through your story and you give them a chance to open the door. That's the gospel. That's what followers do. Followers fish. And that's who we are and that's who we will always be because that's why we're here. We're here to do the work. We saw that the ministry, serve, help people, help the lost people be found. That is our mission. That is being a tree of life to a lost and hurting world. And that is the result of people living a righteous life, right standing with God, living out of the tree of life living our lives in a way that reflects the life, love, and power of Jesus so others will want what we have. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.